on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. ESPN Radio 97.7, ESPN Radio, Utica Roll. What's up, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you on board. You can listen online. Oh, yes, you can do that. ESPNSyracuse.com. We have an app. It's a beautiful thing. All the hip cats got the app on their phone. You download it. You find the Listen tab, and then you take us with you wherever you go on ESPN Syracuse via the app. That is a great thing. Once again, thanks to everybody that checked in last week as the hype built towards the Duke game and the Sweet 16 and Syracuse basketball. We're all kind of decompressing on that. If you're listening today on the app, uh, outside the borders of Central New York, outside the 315, as they say, that's great. Keep listening. We love that. But we uh, certainly saw an uptick of people that were checking in from beyond the borders, if you will, with Syracuse and their great run. Of course, losing to Duke on Friday night. But as we'll discuss here on the program, I was really struck by how everybody kind of, you know, it was when the the, the carriage turns back into a pumpkin, so to say, not to use the old cliche of Cinderella in the NCAA tournament because that's overplayed, but it was kind of just that instant and how quickly people have turned the page to next year. Not that that doesn't happen Usually, that's our routine. You go from one season to the next, but the buildup for the 2018-19 Syracuse basketball team I think is going to be unlike anything we've ever seen. And it's March 26th. We've got a lot of time between here and there, but people have already turned that page. It's incredible to think about. So we will discuss that through the program. Mike Waters from Syracuse.com will join us at 5 o'clock, more like 5.05 in radio speak to review this season and start to preview next season and all the questions you have. Tyus Battle, O'Shea Brissett, will they be back? Could they be back? All the questions on your mind while it's still fresh in your mind, right off the heels of a season, we'll discuss with Mike later on in the program. Hot takes as usual. We'll go on the blind side as we do every Monday on the program. Great way to wrap up the weekend. Seth Goldberg will come up with 10 questions for us. We don't know what they are, but we will live dangerously and we will answer them together. As soon as that game was over, late into the night, once again, Friday night, into Saturday morning, and Syracuse had lost 69-65, to which was something that was interesting to hear from people. Not that they were upset, not that 
they expected a victory. I think you would have known had Syracuse beaten Duke that something extraordinary would have to happen. I mean, let's be honest here. You would, you, I said it on Friday going into that game, and we said it last week going into that game, that Syracuse would have to play the game of their lives to beat Duke. So many things would have to go right in order to get over the hump and win that game. What Syracuse had proven to that point beyond a shadow of a doubt is they could compete with anybody, that they would be in the game, that it would not be a blowout, that I said for entertainment purposes only, by golly, take Syracuse to cover you know, whatever ended up at uh, tip time, but it was somewhere around 11 and a half, 12, 12 and a half points. I mean, that was money in the bank to take Syracuse to cover that, you know, for, for you know, theoretically for entertainment purposes only, of course. But to win, to defeat Duke, to overcome the things that Duke would surely do in that game, namely Marvin Bagley the third and Wendell Carter Jr., now, one thing that did not come to fruition, I mean, technically, they did shoot better, but 2 of 18 in the first game from three-point range, 5 of 23 in that game, I mean, it's kind of a wash, right? Because Grayson Allen just kept missing three-pointers and missing three-pointers, and it's not like, certainly Trevin Duvall and Gary Trent Jr. played better in this game than the first, but it's not like Duke went out there and shot, you know, 48% or much better from three-point range. But there were just certain factors that we felt going and it would be too tough for Syracuse to overcome unless you checked all the boxes and you had people play the game of their lives, which did not happen. Tyus Battle was great. Frank Howard was not. O'Shea Brissett certainly missed some opportunities, ended up with 15 points. So you lose by four. But that is just that right there. That is the story of that team. The story of that team was that they would grind it out. The story of that team was the heart and the grit and the determination and everything that it, I really, if you want to come up with a fun way to describe it, how Syracuse had to kind of MacGyver its way to the Sweet 16. Just seven guys and the limited bench minutes that you were getting and even the players that were out there that were limited due to injury. I mean, we have talked about this to death, and that was what will mark the time. And the fact that we all knew throughout that game on Friday that we were on borrowed time, that we were playing with house money, that eventually you got to push away from the table because you stopped losing the house's money and you start losing your own. And it was a great run, and this season will be remembered fondly. In the immediate after that, okay, you can't always judge things in the immediate aftermath because people are emotional one way or the other. But I was really struck by, you know, I do these Facebook live chats after the game, and thanks to everybody that stayed up late, real late, or very early Saturday morning, depending on your perspective, to hang out and chat with us and and do that. Because everybody that came in said something to the effect of, what a great run, proud of this team, they played their butt off, can't be disappointed with this. It is rare. Believe it or not, because of how much we chase these things as sports fans. But think how rare that this word is. And there was a great song written about it. One of the great songs ever recorded by the Rolling Stones, right? I can't get no. Now you got that in your head the rest of the day, including my very bad impression of that song. But think how often we as sports fans truly get satisfaction. Because we don't. Either they fell short of expectation, they exceeded expectation, which is not satisfaction. There's a difference there. 
exceeding expectation is beyond what you thought, and it's, you know, satisfaction is not the word. Think of the word satisfaction. You have a nice meal. You didn't eat too much. You didn't eat too little. You just kind of sit back and pat your belly afterwards. It's not even like Thanksgiving dinner. We, we gorge at Thanksgiving. You got big Easter dinners coming up, a lot of you, this weekend, right? Maybe you have an extra piece of a lot of different things. You eat half that chocolate bunny that your kid got, right? You gorge. But a nice, satisfying meal. Ooh, boy, was I hungry. That hit the spot. Think how rare that truly is as a sports fan. And I, I find it interesting that 2018 has become kind of the year of satisfaction in a way because I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. And that's exactly what this season was. This team, despite a lot of reasons they should not have, frankly, made the playoffs. And when you haven't made the playoffs in 17 years, I'm sorry, no matter what happened against Jacksonville, I am a satisfied customer, right? If you're a Syracuse basketball fan, knowing everything we know and how this season went and the peaks and the valleys and the injuries and the departures and the highs and the lows and losing to Carolina, Duke, and Boston College down the stretch and saying to yourself, boy, I don't think this is a tournament team. But then they beat Clemson and then they win a game. And despite what you think, you're looking at all the projections, you're like, well, there's there's a few guys that know what they're doing. And Lenardi says we're not in. So that probably means we're in. And then you watch Selection Sunday and as tense as that was, they get in. Almost even right there. You're like, whoo. That's an NCAA tournament team. And then they win a few games and they get to the Sweet 16. It's like, how satisfying is this? Had they beaten Duke, it would have felt like a gorge, a, a return trip to the all-you-can-eat buffet. Like, I, I think I'm having a little too much now, right? Think how rare it truly is, though, that you are satisfied. And depending on who you root for, like if you're a New York Yankees fan this year, nothing short of a World Series will do. That's the kind of team you built. Not that that is something that hasn't happened in the past, but you bring in Stanton and you add him to that lineup, you don't win the World Series, particularly after last year's satisfying season of getting a year away, or pardon me, a game away from the World Series. Here you are a season later, nothing short of World Series will satisfy you. And even then it's like, well, you just checked a box that you should have. Which brings me to next season for Syracuse, which is still a long way away, and I think we have learned a lot can happen over the course of an offseason. There are the obvious questions to ask. Will Tyus Battle declare for the NBA draft or even test the waters? Which he should. He should. He should test the waters. He should go through that process and see what kind of feedback he gets. I don't think O'Shea Brissett will like the answers he gets if he does, if he wants to go to the NBA now. His answers after the game seem to indicate he plans on being back but wants to go through the process just to see, which he'd be wise to do. Somebody asked me via email, and I forgot to respond to that person, so I hope they're listening because I'll forget to respond later because in my head I'll have answered it because I'm doing it now. But they asked me just simply, what's your gut tell you? And I have no inside information. I don't know the Battle family. I don't know the Brissett family. I just kind of know what I see and what I hear and, and the scout that, the scout who knows, that I talk to and just putting it all together. My gut tells me that one of them will leave and one of them will stay. That's what my gut tells me. I could be wrong on that. Again, I have no inside information on that, but that's what my gut tells me. And we'll have the usual conversations about that. He's not ready. He won't go here. The NBA drafted one of the other. And Tyus wouldn't even be a one-and-done, right? But 
it's 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 just it's routine at this point the conversation that we have but if he does come back or not next year's team is still going to be built up and the expectations on that will be high as they should when you're a big boy program when you're a top flight program and it's been a few years since the expectation was that and you had to recover from sanctions you had to recover from certain things and the fact that in that four-year window you made a final four and a sweet 16 is nothing short of extraordinary but the tone changes it changed the minute that game ended because you look ahead and it's hard not to put that team in a different category. Knowing a lot of things can happen in an offseason, but when you're adding a, a top player in Darius Basley, when you're adding a Jalen Carey, when you're adding Elijah Hughes off this team who couldn't play this year, when you're adding a shooter in Buddy Bayheim who may or may not have to even redshirt next year because there just might not be room on this team. We'll see. His dad's the coach, so I'm sure they'll have a fun conversation about that. But if Tyus comes back, if O'Shea comes back, the players we know that will return. Mike wrote the story today. We will talk to Mike about this story later, but it is not hyperbole to say that this team will be expected to compete for the ACC title and perhaps the national title next year. That is not hyperbole, and coaches will hate that and People that hate when the media does this kind of thing will poo-poo that and find reasons to shoot it down. But try and stop that train. Try and stop fans from just looking at that and saying, wait a minute, look at this roster, look who's coming back. Again, even if Tyus does declare and stays in the draft, that's still a loaded basketball team. Especially when, to use that term, satisfaction. Well, the hunger that was there from this team only seeing seven scholarship players, seeing a roster deplete itself as it went along for a number of reasons. Think of scraping by. Think of, you know, you got to put a meal on the table every night and you've only got five ingredients. Now you got a stock cupboard of anything you want. Well, what's the expectation going to be, right? Before, you'd be merely satisfied in that situation that you, somebody put a meal on the table. You kidding me? You made this meal with those ingredients? How'd you do it, Mom? Well, next year, Mom's going to open that cupboard and anything she can dream of is going to be in there. That's the difference. So try and stop that train. One way or the other, the expectation will be there. And that'll be fun. That'll be an entirely different storyline to follow, which, which makes the rhythm of each season so different and so fascinating. But this team, this team will be remembered for squeezing every bit it could. A sweet 16 run and a four-point loss to Duke. And, you know, the further away from that game you get, you say, man, they only lost by four. Duke didn't make the Final Four. Kansas beat them. But you're going to say, man, they only lost by four to that team. And how impressive that will be. So I want to get into that, certainly. We'll talk to Mike later. We'll do some hot takes. We'll do the blind side. We'll talk to you throughout the program as we kind of reflect on this season and start to turn the page to the next. There's some things we need to mention to catch up on that we will certainly put our focus back on. You know that technically Syracuse did beat Duke this weekend. Another roller coaster ride for the lacrosse team, this time on the good side as they beat Duke, one of the top teams in the country. The Syracuse Crunch are going to make the playoffs. And the now it's just a matter of they've got to play Utica because if the Crunch and the Comets play a playoff series, that is what could take an already intense rivalry up a notch, if that's even possible. 
And we're going to get into that rhythm. Final Four, Masters, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, baseball starts. I mean, we are going into one of the truly great times of the year in sports. It was funny. I ran into somebody in the hallway before the show, and they're like, what are you going to talk about now? And I was like, well, the joke was, well, now you do radio, right? Now you just have to really dig in. But the truth of the matter is the cupboard is stocked. It's not a hyper-focus on local stuff, but the cupboard's stocked. This is one of the great times of year in sports. Because there's so much to get into. It's just not all centered on the emotion that a, a great Syracuse basketball run can take you on, right? I didn't even mention the NFL draft really starts to pick up because that's a month away. 437-7644 if you want to jump on board. The Twitter's uh, Brent Axe Media. The text line is 288-0644. Let's see if I can get a phone call or two in before we take a break. Tom and Fremont on the block with us here. ESPN Radio leading the way. What's up, Tom? X-Man, I listened to your uh, opening there, and you said, you know, you think that at least one of them's going to go. I definitely agree with that. And I, I think I think it's it, it could possibly be battle. Two things that drive these guys in their decision, uh, desire to financially help their family, and a GM telling them that they really like them. You know, those two things really weigh in. And I think both those things are probably going to happen in a battle. Brissette, on the other hand, I worry about him. I think he's going to get invited to the Combine, and once he gets there, he's going to tear it up. You know, I mean, what he showed flashes. I mean, what he did, if, if you go back to the Duke game, the opening minute of the second half, first possession, Frank Howard gets in the lane, throws up a little floater, makes it. Second possession, they flash battle into the lane. They give him the ball, and he beelines it right to the hoop crashes into Carter, plays through the contact, and makes the basket. Now, Carter's probably a, a lottery pick, and so he more than held his own against those two big guys from Duke, who are probably both going to be, I mean, Bagley's probably going to be a top-three guy, Carter's probably a top-ten guy, and he went toe-to-toe with those guys. So, I mean, it's on film that he can do that. And you, you know, brought up athletic. a good, Tom, here's where you bring up a good point. I think O'Shea will look good in workouts. I think O'Shea has a pro body, has a pro game. Now, the old adage is, are you ready or not? And remember, that doesn't matter. All that matters is, you said it, one GM has to like you and say, I can draft you, I can put you in the G League, I can do whatever the case may be. And if you simply want to be a first-rounder, well, that's an interesting conversation. What I think he will hear, though, is, you know what, you're a pro we're just not ready to take you right now. I think what Ty's battle is going to hear is what makes you special in this draft class? What makes you stand out? Uh, the other 15 guards that we're going to look at. I think those are the challenges they're going to have, Tom, and I appreciate the call. i got to fly to a break here. They are both pros. The question is whether they are pros now or next year. So we will certainly have that discussion over the weeks and months to come. When they announce their intentions, they've got time to do it, but Tony in Liverpool on the text line asked this question too. Brent, could you possibly see someone transferring? That's always something you got to keep in mind, right? The offseason always brings a little bit of the unexpected. At this time last year, were you expecting a player from, as it was noted then, and then of course corrected, from Czechoslovakia, right? Later known as Slovakia, would play a major role on this team in the postseason. That is how the rhythm of the offseason can go. All right, let's break on that note. Much more to come, though. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Stay right there. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. 
Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Oh, we're back, baby. Or perhaps you're just hopping on board either way. Here on the block, ESPN Radio. So glad to have you here. Happy Monday, everybody. We are certainly taking a stroll back on the 2017-2018 Syracuse basketball season, which ended Friday night against Duke in the Sweet 16, and it didn't take long for some news to break on the Orange. We were scheduled to have Mike Waters on at this time. We have pushed back that interview until later this hour because Mike is busy writing a story, which I just uh, uh, flash across Syracuse.com, and that story is this. As Seth told you, top of the hour in the update as well, uh, news breaking on the Orange, and uh, frankly, not surprising news, but uh, officially official on uh, his Twitter account, Matthew Moyer has announced that he will transfer from Syracuse University, saying this, quote, the past two years at Syracuse University has been an amazing journey. Thank you to the coaching staff for the opportunity and my teammates. Also, the fans have been incredible. My family and I feel it is in my best interest to move on and to explore other opportunities. And he had a hashtag in there saying God's plan. So Moyer, very classy statement there, deciding that uh, somewhere else provides him a better opportunity to get some playing time and, and another role. And, you know, as noted here by Mike, Moyer started 20 games this past season. We know about the a severely ankle, a severely sprained ankle that he suffered against Boston College January 24th. He missed two of the next three games, which was a lot shorter window than people thought he would be out, frankly, given the severity of that injury. Came back, fought his way in, never regained his spot in the starting lineup, and never really regained anything short of some, you know, some defensive plays here, you know, but you would look in the box score after the game and time in and time out, you know, Matthew Moyer, you know, just didn't do the things in the box score that you would see. There's some great hustle plays and, you know, some things that he did contribute, but just never really got back into the flow of things. And even on a team that was severely short of players, just seven scholarship players, you know, that ankle did hold him back. But even when he recovered from that injury went through, you know, never really made that impact. Certainly beat uh, a huge part of that win over UConn and had his moments and was certainly one of those potential upside could be kind of players. But, you know, you look at what happened this year, you look at the incoming class next year, you just kind of do the math. And a lot of people felt like if there was someone who was going to transfer from this team, he at least kind of fit that profile. And he has made that official announcing on his Twitter account. Now, we have not heard anything as of this moment from Syracuse on this. We have reached out for comment. Uh, from the athletic department if they have a response to this. Uh, So if we get that, we will certainly pass it along. But what we have right now is Matthew Moyer announcing on his Twitter account 
that he is, in fact, going to move on after two years at Syracuse University. It is his Twitter account, so unless uh, we've got a, a fake news situation there, somebody got on his Twitter and put it out there, it appears to be uh, legit news there, uh, although not surprising. So we will catch up with Mike later this hour on that and, of course, this season and the hype that will build to next year. You are certainly welcome to offer your thoughts on this team as that amazing run concluded on Friday. We all kind of knew we were playing with house money. And while it was a four-point game, I never really felt like Syracuse was going to get over the hump against Duke, namely because every time Duke needed a play, they would just send it into Bagley or send it into Carter. But there were some moments there where you're like, wait a minute, they could do this. Grayson Allen's missing some shots. They're getting back into it. Tyus Battle had a great game. And, you know, Syracuse never got flowing on the offensive end in terms of hitting three. Certainly scored better in this game than the first time around. Honestly, never felt like they'd get over the hump, but this team did what they always do. They competed. They played their butts off. They gave every team they played, with the note of exception of a few, a hell of a run. And this was as great a tournament run as you will see, given the circumstances. They did so much with so little. And, you know, an old adage kind of came through this year. You could not spell survives without Syracuse this year. They survived their way through to the Sweet 16. So now you kind of decompress, you turn the page, you look at Basley coming in, Jalen Carey coming in, Buddy Bayheim coming in, Elijah Hughes now eligible. If you get Tyus Battle, O'Shea Brissett back, if they hold off the temptation to officially declare for the NBA, I fully expect both players to at least go through the process and see what the feedback is, as they should. They're pros. Those two are pros. Those two are NBA players. Whether that is this year or next, I think, is up for debate. But you should, at the very least, get the feedback. Go through the process. Go as far as you can take it and then make as best a decision as you can on that. Tyler Lydon was ready. Tyler Lydon announced and said, I'm gone and I'm not going to test any waters. I'm going. And, you know, the jury's still out on that in terms of what kind of NBA player he'll be because he got hurt. Didn't get the really uh, the opportunity to play that out, but... You know, certainly financially, he seems to be on the road to that paying off. Battle, in particular, Brissett is, at this point, not even considered a first-round pick. Battle's a fringe first-round pick, if that, and that depends on which you know mock drafter you talk to, which NBA expert, air quotes, you put your faith into. Jonathan Gavoni, who is as good as it gets when it comes to projecting these things, has Battle currently, I think, the 28th pick in his latest mock draft, so that's the first round, and that's all you want, and that's all you need, then by all means go for it. But those are both players that I think will go through the process and at least will have interesting decisions to make. So if I had to guess, I think one will be back, and that will be O'Shea, and I, if I had to guess right now, it's just my gut, I think Tyus will declare, but, you know, that could go either way. That is a true 50-50 proposition, whereas last year I knew Leiden was going. Whereas before that, you kind of knew Malachi was going. Before that, you knew that Tyler Ennis was going. Chris McCullough was somewhat of a surprise given that he only played how many games here and was a risk given the injury, but he got picked, and he's still a pro. So let's get to it. Take some of your calls. We'll talk about this team. We'll do the blind side a little early because Mike Waters is going to join us later this hour. Was set to join us now, but uh, certainly understandable. Mike is uh, chasing down that Matthew Moyer story as we speak, but we'll give us some insight on that later this hour. 
But the news uh, just coming out about 15 minutes ago, Matthew Moyer announcing on his Twitter feed that he will, in fact, uh, seek a different opportunity and will transfer after two years at Syracuse. Let's go to the phone and see what you're saying out there. 437-7644, Mike in Cicero on the block. Hey, Mike. Hey, hey Brian. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, sir. I, uh, hey, I, uh, first off, I just want to give a quick little nod. and Maybe you've talked about it already, but congrats to C.J. Fair signing with the Bulls. Uh, I think I saw that was it yesterday. So good to see an SC, or, uh, uh, a former SU you know, player get signed there. But, Definitely. Uh, nice, pleasant surprise there. See if you get some run in, in some NBA games. And, you know, uh, look, that's, that's the life you lead. You're kind of on the fringe there, back and forth between – other leagues in the NBA, but, uh, you know, there's a Syracuse guy. Got another opportunity at the pro level and uh, certainly wish him the best. Yeah, I hope it works out for him. And, uh, you know, I, I I, don't fully disagree with you about the game Friday, but I, I truly thought that, and, and again, you may disagree, but I think we were the better team for about three-quarters of the game. And the reason I say that is I think I talked to you on Friday and said, that if we can get Dolajai in the middle of that zone and he can hit some, some jumpers and open things up, you know, that would be thing for us. And then also, um, if we can get a couple lobs to Chukwu uh, for some alley-oops, and it seems like right in the beginning of the game they did that, and it seemed to work, but unfortunately, then Howard, I think, forced a couple. But I, I really think the game was decided when both of them were out with foul trouble. Because as soon as Dolajai at least went out, I think you really lost that offensive flow that we had before that because I really thought there was good ball movement. And, and the offense wasn't great, but it looked a lot better than it had for a lot of the season. And, and we were doing some things well, minus the turnovers. But like I said, I think there were – I think it was called pretty well. But I think there were some calls that went against us, unfortunately, and you're going to get that. I think there were some no calls that could have been called. But overall, I I thought we were right in the game until the end. And I it was kind of like that you just couldn't get that final play that uh, that you needed to, to kind of push you over the edge. But I think we played a fantastic game uh, in terms of games compared to the rest of the season. And, I mean, Duke's one of the top five teams in the country. Yeah, so. no doubt about it. And they lost to Kansas, but they were right there. If you had to pick the four teams that were playing the best in the tournament right to this point, thanks for the call, Mike. A lot of good points in there. Uh, Duke didn't make the Final Four, but I would put them right in there with the three teams that did and one that did not, of course, in Duke. Now, you made a great point about Doljai. He got into foul trouble, and that affected the flow of that game, which just goes to show you the development that that kid has made, that he makes such a difference that when he's not in the game, you can sense it, you can see it. He made Duke pay. They left him open. He went 6 of 8. He had that great run through the lane dunk. He hit the uh, shot on the wing. He hit the shot in the paint. He is such a difference maker, and even on a team that's going to be very deep next year, you know he's still going to have a role. You've got to get him out there, and with the natural improvement and development that will come, he still will have a role on this team next year, even though it'll certainly be deeper. Scooter and Jamesville on the block next up here on ESPN Radio. What's up, Scoot? Actually, when I made a prediction that uh, Syracuse would have to score 70 points to win, I didn't realize how it would be about right. <laughs> right on the edge. Right on the edge there. Right on the edge. I, I, you know, I, to be honest, I thought the game went the way I thought. It was going to be a better flow than the, the first game, and it it was it was actually fun to watch. To be honest, it was you know at least entertaining if you didn't have a rooting interest. And 
it, I thought the difference was when they moved Bagley to what we thought was going to be like in the uh, in the in, in the free throw lane, or he had a couple of nice you know turnaround jumpers, and I was surprised they didn't do it as much. And when they seemed to need the basket, they either threw the alley oop or they or they isolated him inside, and you know. Not, not too many teams got answers for him, and uh, I, that's why I was shocked. Uh, you know, the Kansas game a little bit. I didn't think Kansas had any answers for him, but you know that you know that's basketball. And uh, and to me, uh, the season obviously was a total success. Uh, I, I let me ask you a question. Uh, let me let me give you a prediction. Or let me ask you for a prediction right now. If there's ten healthy bodies next year, how, how many people are actually in rotation? You think? Boy, that's always a question, isn't it? Because, you know, even when uh, Jim Beheim's had some deep teams, he seems to settle on the best eight guys. Yeah. But I think this is as deep of a roster as you're going to have, and it's going to push that nine-man rotation as much as anybody. I'm going to settle on nine. Okay. But occasionally a tenth guy will get in just because somebody struggles or you got to mix something up. or you know, You're just going to have so many more options that this team obviously did not. But I think, you know, I, I'm going to say nine. I think it's going to settle in on nine guys that deserved at least, you know, I don't know what the floor is of how much time they get, but at least, I would say, you know, noteworthy minutes that they can make a contribution. I know lighter side, if you got a shot to ask Mike Buddy Waters, uh, any 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 <laughs> issues with the uh, with uh, Buddy Beheim's uh, recruitment with all those free meals you've got over the nineteen twenty years, probably. <laughs> any worried about that? Because you just know the NCAA is going to look into that. I also heard they made Sister Jean put her holy water in an official Powerade <laughs> cup. Courtside. Thank, Thank you, Scooter. Appreciate that. That's my man Scoot from Jamesville chiming in here. All right, let's take a break. I believe. Uh, we're going to have Mike Waters on coming up next, either next or at 535, because uh, the news was breaking. But Mike works fast and already has a story up ready to go on Syracuse.com. So uh, let me break here. We'll see if we're going to get Mike on coming up or in the segment after that. And we'll do the blind side in the segment we don't have, Mike. And certainly we'll talk more to you as we flow through the afternoon here. Hang in there. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Thank you. Bye-bye.